As someone who has achieved the body type that they wanted to achieve, it hasn't made me any happier. And I still have constantly compared myself to other women. At my thinnest, I was my least happy. I can say that truly. I was sick at the time. It was mentally not a great place. So this idea that like that body is gonna help you be happier is not true. We know it's not true. You've gotta just find ways to be as happy as you can be. I think more people are coming to me just saying, I want to feel stronger. I wanna be here for my grandkids. I don't care about being big or being attractive or any of those things. I just want to be able to touch my toes. This is going to be a great episode. This is the first time that I have two personal trainers on at the same time. It's going to be a lot of information, a lot about women's fitness and what that actually means. So I'm proud to have Melissa Boyd and Colby Landry on the show. Thank you both for coming out. No problem. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Colby, we'll start with you. Just give me about a 15 second spiel of who you are and what you do. Hi, I'm Colby. I'm a personal trainer and boxing coach in San Francisco. Uh, I am one of the founding trainers at Tempo. Um, I specialize in kickboxing, boxing, and overall strength there. I lived in the Bay Area for 12 years, so I feel kind of Bay Area born and bred now. Where'd you grow up at? Sacramento. So, okay, so you weren't So that still far, NorCal, right? but you know. Still NorCal, you got different. it. And Melissa, as a reminder to everybody, where you work at, what you do now? So I am one of the founding trainers, head coach over at Tempo. Um, I've been now in the fitness industry here for about 12 years, 13 years. I owned a brick and mortar studio for a while and I was lucky enough to have Colby work there with me and then dragged her over to Tempo. So, um, Well, that's where you both met. I've yeah. just been following Melissa around yeah. the fitness industry no, for so, the last few years. Making me look good. So how did that transition work to go from a brick and mortar to now I'm doing, I'm basically recording in front of a camera to an audience of how many, many people? It was something I never thought I would do. I was actually like staunchly against virtual training. Um, Tempo came to me before they were even Tempo, and I was just doing consulting for them. So kind of popping in every once in a while, didn't really know what the company was, but still it was like, I only believe in in-person training. You have to customize to someone. It's so much of what I do is like interacting with someone. I just didn't, didn't think you could do it virtually. But they did have some really cool things with the form feedback and the way we were tracking people and the interactive. And I was like, okay, this is closer. Um, so as I got more involved with them, I was coming to the end of my lease, naturally kind of needed to get out of that space, didn't have a great landlord. So I was deciding what to do next, if I was going to stay in the city, go to LA, just unclear. It's hard to own a business here, really, really hard. Mm -hmm. So I was deciding and let the lease end and the pandemic happened like two months later. So wow. Thankful that I didn't have to go through that with my staff and not being able to pay them. And we had kind of a natural closure, uh, but it was really, really tough. And then was suddenly in the fitness online space, virtual training, which obviously catapulted. Yeah. It was just the craziest growth. So I don't really know. They're both equally as hard. Um, it's crazy to go from entrepreneurship, like solo, to a startup. They feel both terrible, but also rewarding. I don't know. Well, you do both now, Colby. So you do in-person and you, you do the online stuff. And what's the difference yes. with how you bring your um, energy, if you will, to either one? Well, in-person, I do teach group fitness at Rumble Boxing. So that's it's very a very specific formula to a class. So it's basically the same class every time. No matter what teacher you're taking, you're going to get the same kind of situation presented to you. Um, so moving from that group fitness space to, I think, tempo was hard because it was like, there's no protocol here. 
give us whatever you want to give us. Like we want a 45 minute class. It doesn't have to be any, any specifics or any cer- certain program design. Well, we so, literally just helped your skelter. What do you got for us? And we'll see if it's if people like it or not. Yes. Yeah, so I think it was combining like my experience in group fitness in terms of performance and getting a group of people or a mass of people inspired, but also making it more personal training-esque. So taking the one-on-one session type of workouts that I was doing and put them into tempo. And I feel like Melissa was a little bit more well, already very good at that because she had already created so many different classes at her gym, which I was an employee at. And it's funny. I wanted her to kind of answer that first because I was seeing Melissa at Tempo on Instagram and I was like, okay, so that's what I need to do next is get into the virtual fitness space. And luckily she plugged me. So let's start here. So as both female trainers in this industry, what is it that's the biggest challenge for you just getting where you want to get to in your career? Uh, Some people say... Female trainers are overlooked or not taken as seriously as their male counterparts. And some people say even in the, even with women. So even female clients might say, you know, do I really trust you, believe in you versus the guys over here doing it? What's been your, your experience with that? As a boxing coach, it's a little different because I think I do get more male clients than the average woman would oh. because I specialize in a skill that a lot of guys can maybe get behind when it comes to a female coaching them Um, in terms of like a strength coach. I think it's easier for them to think something along the lines of like, well, she can't help me PR. She can't lift the weights that I lift or she doesn't work out in the same sense that I do. Mm. Um, So I get a lot more men in the boxing area, but I will say I have to be very um, specific in what kind of men I take as clients, which sounds bad, but I think you know, when you are holding mitts for a person specifically, you have two different personality types, I think, when it comes to a man. Someone who's trying to prove to their coach that they can punch something or an, an, another, another type that's trying to actually learn something. So it, people come with all sorts of differently like, preconceived ideas about what you can do, what you can't do. I will say owning a gym was really tough. People often were asking, like, where the real owner is, who's the real investor, who really does this. So that can be frustrating. It does just make you want to be better, I think. Um, And a lot of what I did in the very beginning was just try to learn everything I possibly could. So I didn't want to ever be in a situation where someone could say, like, well, you don't know this. I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, well, I actually do. That's Um, really interesting because I get that all the time. You don't look like a boxing coach. Are you a real boxer? mm. Have you ever fought before? Do you? It's those kinds of things that are just very, it's weird. Interesting. And that's from clients of all ages, genders, whatnot. Still yeah. Ahead. Just anytime that I describe myself as that, it's immediately questioned, mostly by men. Really? But women as well. But in the online world where you're training people, you're creating a class, so you don't know who's watching it. Mm-hmm. So how do you interact with them? And what kind of feedback do you get from the people who are saying, I can't get this, I can't do this? We get a lot. I, I actually think the reason we're all very successful in this virtual space is because of the combined experience we all had. Um, there's a lot of group fitness instructors, there's military guys, like we all had a very different base of knowledge and experience, but you also have to be very athletic. So there is something that comes with that. They're watching you do the whole thing. So you're not just walking around a gym, like barking orders. You gotta make people. it look good too. Yeah. You're doing the whole thing with the weights, with them on tempo. So there is, I think immediately a little bit of respect because you're not just the personal trainer in front of the class, like doing jumping jacks, you're doing it. 
but we all kind of brought very different ideas about who we train and how we train. I think we collaborate really, really well, but we definitely do program for niches. So I make it a point to make sure what I'm programming is helping a very specific demographic and then trying to get that class to them. So we have so many classes, but we want people to find the right one for them, which has kind of been our big thing at Tempo is how do we get that to them? Mm-hmm. How do we explain to someone like you might be a beginner here, but intermediate here and that's okay. Like gotcha. getting them the right, what does strength actually mean? Everyone tells you something different. Some people want more weight on the bar. Some people want to be able to hold a plank. Some people want to just like walk up a hill faster. Like there, there's so many different ideas about what people want. So we have to get it to them without like gotcha. get through the riddles kind of. So, so in your opinion, what is it that women specifically are looking for? The female clients that you guys are getting, what are they really that I want to lose weight? I want to get bigger muscles. I just want to be like, what are they, they telling you that you're trying to react to to say, okay, let's get you to the, to this goal here. I mean, I think the biggest one is tone up, that which is just doesn't... like a made up <laughs> yeah. thing that every woman decides to say. Um, I mean, I think that that really comes from a internal feeling of strength and resilience and competency. So I, tr- that's why I've always gravitated towards boxing because it's a way for me to give people a skill set and lead them away from aesthetics. Mm. Um, that it's never worked for me, aesthetic training, but, and, and we have very different backgrounds, but I feel like very same kind of like calling or a way of coaching our clients. Like she's, you're a bodybuilder. So it really could be seen as very aesthetic, mm-hmm. but I feel like there's more of this internal strength. That's really what we're trying to inspire from women specifically and to get away from like the looks of it or the weight or the scale. Yeah. I think it's changed a lot. I think when I first started, it was all the 10 pounds. Everyone wants to lose 10 pounds. It's like this, this number that every single person somehow needs to lose, but it isn't that it never is that, or there, I want to get back to this place. Like when I was 24, I looked like this. But we very easily forget like what you were actually going through at that time. You could have been depressed, but very thin. Yeah. You could have like had no money. And like th- there's just so much else going on. But we want to romanticize like this past person or this past self happens all the time. So I think I do mostly weightlifting, bodybuilding. And I did find that I could get a lot of clients that way because when they do start seeing aesthetic changes, they start to build confidence. And I think Colby builds that with boxing. They start to feel stronger. They start to feel more coordinated and control of their bodies. So then they really get addicted to the strength side of it. And I, I would say almost all of my clients end up completely moving away from wanting to just be in a deficit and getting thinner to having some real skill goal. They want to do pull-ups now. They realize being strong makes their whole life feel easier. It just does. Like If you have just strength in your body, like getting that thing off the top shelf, picking something up, you're not winded. Those things just make you feel better. And then being a little athletic, a little coordinated, like your life just feels easier. And I feel like once that starts happening, people really forget about the 10 pounds until a vacation is coming up. So for guys, for us, it's about how much weight we can put on the bar. And the more that we can put on it, the more that we see progress, the more that we feel good about ourselves, generally speaking. So for women, is it more about do I fit in the pants that I want to fit in? Is it more about as long as I you know, have the waist that I'm thinking about. It doesn't matter how much I'm lifting per se, as long as I can get that look that I'm looking for. Does that seem more accurate? I think that's how it started, but I'm honestly seeing less and less. I think more people are coming to me just saying, I want to feel stronger. I want to be here for my grandkids. I want 
like I just want to feel more confident in my body and the like weak wafy that's not it's not good to feel that way you don't want to feel weak you want to feel strong and I think it's also changing for men in in the sense that I'm getting getting a lot of more a lot more male clients that want mobility Mm -hmm. or they just want to move better and they're like I don't care about being big or being attractive or any of those things I just want to be able to touch my toes and not be injured and those kinds of things which I love. That's pretty, something as simple as that. Now, yeah. is that, you know, of a certain age, guys, and as you get into 40s, 50s, 60s, you're seeing that even in their I, 20s I'm and 30s? I'm seeing that in like late 20s, early 30 year old men oh, wow. that uh, kill themselves at the gym and are realizing they're still, they're kind of plateauing mm-hmm. or they're in pain. Or the women now are just as strong and able to open their hips. So I think a lot of men are understanding, like, wait, I want to be able to do those pull-ups or muscle-ups and be able to do a pistol squat. Mm-hmm. So I, I, yeah. I think it's like more this well-rounded approach to fitness that's happening both for women and for men. Because you see a lot of women like, quote-unquote, one-upping men at the gym now by doing just like cooler skill-based stuff <laughs> versus just lifting heavy, heavy weights. Gotcha. So what's uh, what's the, been the biggest change overall that you guys have seen? It used to be the, the CrossFit thing was a big rage for a couple of years and mm-hmm. it's still there, but you know, it has its own like kind of click and they just, they love doing it, more power to them. Yeah. What's been the biggest focus now that you're seeing people wanted to, 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 to do now in the industry? I think to what Colby's saying, it is just this more well-rounded athlete. Mm-hmm. Like, Bodybuilding is great. We love it. But if you're not competing, it is brutal. You're working out for hours. You're sore all the time. Your athletic performance is not great unless your whole life is this. Of course, you can do it. Of course, you can optimize. But I think most people do want to live their life as well. And we both say this, but every client I talk to, it's like your mental health is important. And having a social life is part of that. And being able to get outside and have time for you and the people in your life is important. So if you're working out three hours a day, you're missing something. You're either yeah. giving up sleep or you're giving up social time or you're giving up. Why? Like, why are we doing this to be in pain all the time to not be able to run up the hill? Cause you're like, Oh my quads from that leg day. So is that still a challenge with a lot of women specifically where they may bring you a photo, say, I want to look like her. And then you have to tell them, well, if you want to look like her, do you realize what her diet is? Do you realize how many hours a week she's working? Do you realize she may have somebody that she's paying to do a, B and C? And you're telling me you like to go out and eat, you like to go out and have fun, you like to enjoy life, but do you realize it's trying to have both is not going to be as I, it's probably not going to happen if you want to look a specific way. Do you still have to break through that barrier? Mm-hmm. I think it's more of a yes. I try to do like yes and not yes, but, but I'm like, yes, you can do that. And it's going to be really hard. So let's start with one. Like, what is the most important part of this? Is it you just want a bigger butt? Sure. We can absolutely get that into the plan you have and not take over your whole life. But maybe you're not also going to have a 12 pack, you know, like you're not. And this person does have different genetics than you. And a lot of times they're quite young. Like our bodies change a lot. Hormones change a lot. So I think if you really whittle it down, like what are you actually asking for? People will figure it out on their own. And then you'll have the person that's like, no. I'm going to go do 75 hard three times this year. Um, I'm going to gain all the weight back immediately. I'm going to do it again. Like some people just, they're going to come to you after they're injured. And that usually is when I get them back. They're like, you might've been right. (laughs) You had to figure it out on your own. I think it's really hard for people to see like the light at the end of the tunnel in fitness if they've never seen it before. And I'm relatively new to the fitness space. I've only been a, a coach or a trainer for seven years 
And before that, I went from being like 26% body fat to 19. Like I had a lot of coaching and trainers. I was not an athlete by any means or someone who considered themselves a gym rat. And I was that person that constantly says like, I don't have that body type or I'm just the type of person that needs to watch what they eat all the time. Or, And since I've strength trained and since I've seen that like light at the end of the tunnel, just the progress that can be made from certain specific steps, I now am a believer of that. And it's hard for me to to convince, I think it's hard for anyone to convince someone entering a fitness journey that that's going to happen until it really happens. Gotcha. So do you have have clients for you, Colby, specifically that say, Colby, I want your lifestyle. Like you're you're always working out, you're training classes. And do you have to kind of explain to them, well, this is my life. Here's the things that I'm that you might see, but here's what you don't see yeah. that that comes with it. Do you ever have to explain that to them? Well, I think it's you should. It's like comparing yourself to Serena Williams, like that her life. Not that I'm comparing myself <laughs> to Serena Williams, but her life is to be fit like her job is to be an athlete and my job is to exercise every day basically like I am on camera getting paid to do to film classes where I'm lifting weights and so I have an upper hand in that sense of multiple hours of my day are being paid to do these things and you sitting at a desk nine to five it's not gonna be the same activity level so they're not comparable in a way just trying to explain it to some people is like trying to like take down a wall it's like they're not really getting it it's like yes i have this life lifestyle this is how i how i train every day but it's every day there are days maybe i don't want to go to the gym but i have to go film i have to go shoot those those classes because that's what i get paid to do I mean, I went on vacation for the 4th of July and came back and was extremely winded in my tempo classes. Hmm. So there's just certain uh, times where you're reminded that, like, for example, I have a client asking me, are you going to take an amateur fight? And which had been a dream of mine for a while. And if I really like buckled down, I, I could, but it does seem a little selfish. It's like taking a Broadway show and then being like, I'm also training for a fight while I'm on stage with you guys. Hmm every week it feels a little selfish or a way or a, a little hard to do it's hard to like have your own big fitness goals like melissa was training for an iron man and it was really impossible to do with all of the filming that she was asked to do so just doing both having fitness be a job and a hobby i think is really hard it's yeah people don't realize what goes on behind the uh, it's scenes like it's not as all sunshine and rainbows in a sense too <laughs> no we try to tell people that a lot like yes i feel very lucky my job is movement but there's a lot more to it and i have to work out on command if i don't feel good i still have to go it is my actual job so we are both really open about injuries like we do everything we can to like mitigate them and take all the steps but we get injured it happens. And I think people have an idea that as long as their squat looks like mine, it'll never happen. And I, we try to be really clear. Like I had to stop training for an Ironman because I have a weird hip issue and it won't go away and I still have to do my job. Mm -hmm. So while I was training, I couldn't effectively do my job at Tempo. I couldn't teach classes. I really wasn't that mobile. I don't have that luxury. So it is like your lucky fitness is your job. But I think most of us have to give up our like fitness as hobby or like our little fitness goals if they take too much away from our actual mm. yeah. completely so like, as you get older and you start seeing the injuries pile up does it 
feel like, you know, I can't squat as much as I, as I used to, or is it just a matter of now I have to incorporate more of the recovery into my routine that I didn't have to do when I was 21 because I was able to power through it. Are you seeing that more and more now as you guys go through your, your uh, careers? Yeah, I think a lot of it too is it makes you a better trainer. Obviously my gym pulled in a lot of people that had been injured in other classes. So you jump into these group fitness classes. There's nothing dangerous inherently about them. But if you don't have the body awareness, if you don't know to warm up, if you don't know to slow down, you can get hurt pretty easily. Lots of repetitive motions, dark, it's loud, right? So I would get a lot of people that came from those experiences thinking like, that was the best workout I could do. Now why am I in this shape? So we used a lot of sandbags. We used a lot of banded work and like really dig people into their bodies and how to move smart not just fast. Um, but I think that awareness came from me being injured, doing everything yeah. right. I mean, people take pictures and they watch me work out and they're like, your form's perfect. No problems. I'm like, you're wrong. <laughs> like I have a bunch of problems that I'm constantly dealing with, but visually it looks fine. I think that's where people get confused. They go on Instagram, they see one person's body, one person's story. And they're like, that must work for me. But everyone's so different. Like, I do really well with more moderate loads to build muscle. Um, some people do really, really well with lighter. It There's not a perfect answer for everyone and it changes over time. Yeah. Like I used to do a ton, of, a ton of hit stuff, can't do as much anymore, like live more in the steady state realm. So it's gonna change, but you can't follow someone else's plan exactly because yours day to day might be different. Mm. Like it which sucks. Gotcha. <laughs> it sucks. Have you yeah. seen the same thing? Oh, yeah, well I think the magic of fitness is A, like finding something you enjoy like you're not going to stick with something that you hate. So like don't start boxing if you hate boxing. <laughs> just don't do that. Um and then I think it's also just hard to like pivot cuz a lot of people have this like year out goal or something or a two year goal. They're training for an Ironman or a triathlon or something or they want a certain amount of size done and I think it's just about kind of making those pivots to be able to enjoy the time that you're spending in the gym and work on the progress that you can get. Mm. So say you do experience an injury and maybe that means you just have to work on core work or maybe that does mean that you have to see a physical therapist and work more on mobility. Gotcha. Um, but I think being able to like adjust your goals is going to be crucial in terms of enjoying your fitness. Well, let me ask you this because this is something that I obviously don't know anything about, but for women specifically, when it comes time to... When- when, it, when, when the issue of hormones comes up or the menstrual cycle, how does that affect what you can actually do when you work out? A lot. <laughs> but again, it's it's different for everyone. So some women f- have person re- person. Yeah, really intense changes throughout the month. I do. Like the phase right before menstruation, you recover less quickly. So a harder workout earlier will feel 10 times harder. Your sleep is more affected. Uh, you need more calories during that time. So a lot of people benefit greatly from matching their training styles to where they are in their cycle. But that's also annoying. And I'm the first person to say, I don't want to sometimes. I want to do the work that I'd planned. I don't want to care where I am in my cycle, but you do have to if you want this to be a long term. And I think that also is like flexibility, giving yourself grace and then questioning, like, have you made your training your identity? Because I think that happens to a lot of people. Yeah. Like, I'm a weightlifter. So if I can't weightlift, I'm not doing anything. Mm-hmm. It's so all or nothing. And it happens with wellness. It's like, I work out now, and I know this now, to feel healthier when I'm not working out. 
I want to be able to climb up something really quick or run over that or jump. I want my life to feel more athletic generally. I didn't have that perspective when I first started lifting. It was like, if I can't make it in five days a week, I've failed. So why go at all? Very much the all or nothing, like, or go at midnight. That's crazy. Mm, yeah. Why am I working out at midnight? Now I'm not call sleeping. It. Yeah. Just no, but I was like on my way, like drinking pre-workout on my way. And pre-workout used to be crazy. Used to be nuts, that stuff. But now I'm like, okay, if I can't work out, I should get a whole night's sleep. Like if we're starting to get to that, sleep is going to benefit my next workout more. Eating a normal meal, getting my work in another way, doing 10 minutes of movement, like exercise snacks. I do them all the time. Every time I go to the bathroom, I do 10 squats. I'm like, okay, I know today at least I did some movement, something for me. But there is an identity thing, I think, with a lot of fitness people. Like that is me. I am Iron Man. I am weightlifter. Mm -hmm. I am bodybuilder. I am boxer. And when I'm in a rut, I tell people, I take group fitness classes. Like I need to go somewhere and have someone yell at me. I'm going to modify it as I need to because that's who I am. But I just need to go somewhere where I am not in charge. There can be some like fun and joy here. It's a little silly. And I can just keep moving until my body and head's ready to like recommit to a full plan. So I'm the exact same. Go let someone else yell at me and tell me what to do and mindless it's great. Yeah. Or I love doing exactly what she said, like a 20 minute workout, 10 minute workout to make sure that I kind of moved and feel good about my day. But like, I'm just not ready. Gotcha. It's not, it's not for me that day. Well, that's a, uh, I mean, obviously I have no expertise in that. So it's, you know, I don't know how much of a prevalent thing it is in the industry, but is that a concern that a lot of your female clients bring to you one-on-one say, Hey, this is, I, would, I feel like it's so up and coming. Like, I feel like it hasn't been a way that any woman has ever thought to train in, in, until up, up until recently. I was thinking the other day, how many women have won gold medals on their period? No, they call it period PRs. Because like, you're the, you're the so closest cool. to like male hormones when you're on your period. So a lot of people hit their biggest PRs during that time. It sucks because you feel crappy, but Terrible. you actually are physically stronger and recover the fastest just because of hormones. So... So you're at your strongest at that time of the month. Essentially, like, yeah. And I think it's something we're putting we're putting more emphasis on at tempo, thanks to Melissa. And I mean, also you have to consider, I mean, maybe this is going too in depth, but you have to consider a lot of women are on birth control and other things like that that affect that cycle also. Um, or they're not having a period anymore. Um, and I, stress. I think it's one of the easiest ways to, as a woman to kind of understand if you're feeling your best or not. If you're not no longer getting a period, not on birth control, things like that, there's there's signs that something is awry. Gotcha. Well, you brought up a second ago when you talked about stress. And stress in today's day and age is, whole, is a whole lot different than what it was for our parents' generation, mm -hmm. great-grandparents. For both men and women, we see it slightly differently. For women specific, and we'll talk about your guys' age range, you know, 20s and 30s. What is the thing or the biggest things that are causing a lot of stress among a lot of women that you guys are seeing? I think finances is big. Um, Huge. Yeah. I, especially people our age, you, I feel like they're either going back to the suburbs, like have the kid family experience. If you live in a city, that's not available to you. Homeownership isn't available. So I think financial stuff, just the state of the world being so kind of kooky right now, it just... There's so much information coming at us. You're seeing all the worst things constantly. And then jobs, they're up and down. Like people used to have a job their whole life. They would go and they would retire in that same job. And that's just not the way the market works anymore. Whether your company is still there or they go under, like we're changing jobs really rapidly. 
I just think there's a lot more constant chaos and change that we just have to like be zen through. And now we all have to be athletes. Yeah. (laughs) Well, like living in the Bay Area, you're surrounded by some of the most successful people or the most stable careers you'd think. And there's still a lot of fluctuation, a lot of uncertainty that I see from my clients or from my own experience here. Um, So it's pretty much has gotten worse as people are making more money. Women, especially as they're making more money, as the generations go on, like how come this problem seems to get worse? Yeah. And you're busier. And I, that's, I think that's why there's such an, not obsession. It's a good thing, but people are looking to like yoga or breath work and everyone's trying to do mindfulness or, or mushrooms or micro. Everyone's just trying to find some sort of like mental peace. Cause we're all, we're all zooming all day. Right. Mm-hmm. You're just, I make myself go on walks now without headphones or anything. And like I, no stimuli. No. And I'll make a list and be like, you can't go home until you see four pink things. Like it's insane, but I'm like, okay, I'm making my brain look for something that isn't going to cause me any weird stimulus, any stress. And I'm just going to like breathe through this walk because I, I'm constantly touching something or looking something up or like, oh God, I forgot that. Or an alarm's going off here. There's just so much to manage all the time just to get through a day. Mm. Like you want to have hobbies, you want to have friends, you want to have a job. How do you have all so of So much it? to compete with. Yeah. Well, here, well, here's something to bring up because this is something that a lot of women have to ask themselves the question on, which is children. Like you both personally, what are your thoughts on children and help kind of the audience understand your thought process on that and how it, it allows you to do certain things in your life that maybe you can't do should you have a family. Yeah. I've always said I would not have children. I've kind of like turned the page on that in terms of like, I'm not going to say never, like, um, but it, there's no, I mean, no immediate interest. It's never been a huge goal of mine in life. Not something that I've uh, had to set up. It's not number one. It's not number one. We're like, I have to have kids by 30, 35. And okay, who's around? Okay, I guess you'll do. I never had like the image of like a wedding or the kids or those kinds of things as like a dream goal of mine. Obviously, I think that's a beautiful thing and I'm not opposed to it. Um, But yeah, it's not a big goal of mine. I think I could be content, you know, not having children. You got the same thing going on? Similar. I mean, kind of. I'd like to think that. I like to always think that I didn't have like any sort of checklist, but I definitely did. I was like, I want to have a business by 30. I want to have five by this age. And I did get married decently young. Um, and it probably was more of a checklist thing now that I'm looking back, but I feel very lucky. My ex-husband had a little girl from a previous relationship. Um, and I got to basically step in as, as mom for most of her life. She's still in my life. So she was about two when I met her and, we were together for eight, nine years, and she's still in my life after. So I did get to have some of that maternal energy used, and she's such a special part of my life, but I never felt like I needed my own. I've always felt very, very maternal, but able to love anything. And I think when you have that capacity, because not everyone does, a lot of people need it to be theirs. They need to know, like, biologically, that's mine. I've never had that. So I feel like Same. because I'm in that situation, I'm in a great place to foster when I feel comfortable or to possibly adopt or like give someone a home that, uh, you know, they didn't come directly out of me. I also have crazy autoimmune stuff. My mom had terrible childbirths. I just, I, I think taking that pressure off me, knowing that it would probably be really, really hard on my body. I don't know. I don't know if it's necessary. Well, you brought it up earlier when I asked you about what's been the biggest thing that women are going through before stress, it was the financial part. Trying to live in the Bay Area with how much everything costs. We talked about some of the home prices around here. Like you need two incomes just to sort of 
make ends meet for something that, you know, may not be the nicest house on the block. So when both people are working, it's okay. If you're married and you want to have children, but you also have to go out and work at your, you know, $150,000, your job, whatever it is. Now you're doing 40 plus hours there. Then you're trying to take care of the kids. And then he's out there working and he comes back. He's trying to help you take care of the kids Mm -hmm. and all that stress that builds up, which is, I I think is not, not another coincidence that we sort of see that with a lot of young women today is you're trying to do everything. You're trying to be superwoman. You're trying to have that big lawyer job partner, but you also want to have the family and you also want to stay in shape because you want to look like somebody on Instagram. And you also have to make a lot of money. And it's a lot, it's a lot of pressure to put on one person, whether it's man or woman, but for women specifically, now that we're talking about it, it's a, it's a big thing. Well, and I heard this in another podcast, which actually like really shocked me is that being, um, and she's a psychotherapist for uh, couple therapy, but she was saying that when it comes to men, they will say, wow, he's such a good dad. And it's an attractive thing. It's an attractive quality. And being maternal or a caregiver as a woman is not considered attractive. It's not like a, a sexually attracting, mm-hmm. attractive thing at all. And it's also, I think, not something that people reward women for in the same sense that like a man, like, wow, he's such a good dad. Like that's shocking. That's extra. That's like the topping on the on the cake. You know what I mean? Whereas you know, a woman should be like that. So I think um, – I mean, I have a lot of female friends that aren't the most maternal. If you, you know, they're, they don't love, like they love being, they love being mothers, but they're not, that's not how they identify their entire existence. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes they feel guilty for not wanting to spend every day with their kids, you know? I mean, it's something that even I experienced, you know, my mom had a career and this is back in the eighties. So she was still working full, full time and to this day, she tells me that she feels guilty because she wasn't around for me when, when I was younger. And, you know, when I think about it, you're right. I don't have a lot, a lot of memories of her when I was a kid, like, you know, eight, seven, eight, nine years, years old. And yeah. even to this day, I don't call her mom. I call her by her first name. It's just ingrained with me. Yeah. Uh, so I saw that and said, yeah, if uh, if I ever had kids, which I don't want, but if I ever did, like there has to be that that maternal woman to actually be able to want to take care of my kids for me. Like it's a big thing for me if I ever wanted kids, Mm -hmm. but then it clashes with, if you want to be a career woman and you're out of the house 40, 60 hours a week. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't really jive. And I think it's, it's a question that a lot of dudes ask, but they can't say it in today's day and age, which is why is it so wrong? If I wanted to have kids, you know, to not have a wife that would stay at home, and I can go out and do all the work because at least I can go out there, I'll bust my rear end off working overtime, make as much money as I need for the family, and she could focus on taking care of our of our kids. A lot of people get triggered because it kind of goes back to this 1950s, is that your place, is that my place thing, when really it's actually, we try to do it the other way and both people, people are working, we we're seeing the whole stress thing come out, which is, wow, both people have to do everything which leads to divorce issues, yeah. which leads to trying to keep up with the Joneses and you got to buy that nice house on the block. I mean, it's a lot to deal with. So I'm curious if any of your female clients sort of bring that up to you in some way, shape or form, which kind of relates back to how they're trying to take care of themselves physically. Definitely. And I think all that stuff is like, it's weird and grained, like deep. There's no problem with having that structure. But I think people don't actually communicate that. And that's when it becomes problematic later. It's like, well, I just assumed you would want to be a stay-at-home wife and give up your job. You shouldn't assume that ever. And I think if everyone's really really communicative and honest about what they do feel, you can find the right partner that also wants that. I I have a lot of girlfriends that like to be the stay at home. Yeah. They love it. And sometimes they have to go back to work because life is crazy and finances are crazy and it's hard. 
like now they're juggling daycare and it does make them feel guilty. But I think people just don't want to say what they really think about that. I've definitely dated people that are like, what do you mean you don't want to have kids? I'm like, I'm 35. When are we starting? Five years ago? <laughs> like, I, that, it feels crazy to me. And I know in the Bay Area, people wait a lot longer. Like, my little one went to private school, which I was very, very thankful for. She got great grants. But a lot of those parents are in their 40s, in their 50s. And that's also not what I would want. I don't want to be, like, a super older parent. I would have probably wanted to be a younger parent and be able to, like, be there and see all the milestones and really be a bigger part of that kid's life. I don't know, but Colby said it. I definitely saw men come and drop off and everyone go like, what a good dad. It's 99% moms dropping off and then going to work. But the one dad that does, everyone's like, oh, yeah. what a guy. What a guy. You're like, wait, what? We know nothing about, he could be horrible. <laughs> he just drove. I don't know. But it's amazing how we all have these double standards in real life and they exist. So there are things that benefit men. There are things that benefit women. We're like, yeah, that's the double standard. Yeah. Like guys can't go in a club and get in free and get free, free drinks. But then again, you got the guy that's the, uh, the good dad. He gets all the praise. Yeah. Yeah, one of the many double Completely. standards that we deal with. I deal with that funny enough with divorce. So I've been divorced. Um, of course it's a really sad thing. No one wants to do it. It was not my intention going into it. But people have some crazy, like, deep-seated feelings about it. They're like, wow. divorce. Like, it's like, immediately you're like, secondhand goods. But when you talk about a divorced man a lot of times, and this is not me being man-hating, it's, you oh. hear, he's, oh, he learned a lot. He now really knows what he wants. Like, that was like the test one. But a divorced woman is like, ugh. Like, what did she do wrong? Like, why is she divorced? Did she do something? And I've heard it so much that... I mean, I don't care. I'm always going to lead with it. Like if you, if you have that, then we shouldn't date. That's weird. Yeah. But people are very much like, oh, don't tell anyone that. Dude, that's interesting. See, I always heard it was the opposite that, uh, if you get divorced, let's say you, you know, you're married and then you break up with your husband or you leave him one out that, okay, you realize you want something better. You go out there, you find what, what you need. And when a guy gets divorced, it's sort of like a, like this weird check against him. Like, oh, your woman left, left you. So what did you do wrong kind of a thing? Maybe, so I see it from the opposite side. Maybe as like a man, you're getting like the flip side of it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So maybe there is that yeah. double coin. But yeah, I would say like most of the time when I'm like, when a guy is like bringing up his divorce, it's more in the sense of like, oh, poor you. Like, what did she do to you? You know, <laughs> sort of thing. Uh, she must have been crazy or something. Um I feel like I've gotten that perspective as well, Melissa, not as a divorced person, but I come from a divorced family. Um, and I, I definitely saw the like looks that my dad would get versus my mom sort of oh, really? thing. Yeah. Jeez. And you still see that nowadays, not even with, the, with your own family, with everybody else? They're both remarried, but my, I mean, my mom is, my stepdad has been divorced twice. This is her, his third uh, wife. And I don't feel like people look at that as a red flag. And if it was my mom's third husband, I think that they might think a little bit more like, what's she doing? Is she trying to get money? Is she, you know what I mean? All these little that thoughts, part I can see. judgment okay. thoughts would go through their head. Whereas I think with him, it's just kind of like, oh, I'm so sorry. You have to start again, you know, <laughs> <laughs> when obviously there's two sides of the coin. I love my stepdad. He, he is, uh, you know, he can't do, can't do any wrong in my eyes, but in any relationship, there's going to be. Right. Know, both sides. So well, and I think marriage again, it comes from like what you're carrying and sometimes your background and religion. But for some people, they're just like, oh, I'm in love. And that means it's time to get married. And some people have 
put a lot more weight on it. Or I think for him, he probably thought every single one was the last one. He wasn't going into it in a weird way. But when you hear third marriage, you're like, oh, there's something wrong with this. Like their commitment or they don't know what they're doing. Happens with kids too. Like having kids from another marriage. Like you hear that for men a lot of times and people are like, oh, yeah, he has children from another marriage, but he's great. You hear it for women and they're like, oh, she has kids with two dads. Like suddenly it's like a very much character flaw. Like, oh, she did it because she carried it. It's like, well, you need need the juice to make the baby. Completely. (laughs) Someone said this and I forgot who, but the idea was that or the metaphor that they used was uh, women treat the relationships like men treat jobs. So when we go out and get jobs as a guy, we are looking for Put it, put it this way. If you have a job that you're working, it pays the bills. It's fine with me, whatever. It may not be my most favorite job working as a tech person at Facebook, but it pays the bills. And then all of a sudden Google calls you and says, we want to give you a better deal. We want to give you double the pay with double PTO time. We just want you to come over here and do the same thing that you're doing. You'd see that as an opportunity to say, wow, I, I got a chance to upgrade my, my job. This is a better thing for my, my, my family. Double the income, less of the stress. Yeah, I'd be an idiot not, not to take to take that. But in the meantime, I have a commitment. I have a commitment to the job that I'm working with, and I'm gonna stay here. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do what I signed up for. And the meta, the, uh, the metaphor was like when all these divorces happen. You know, is the female partner saying, "Well, there's a better deal over, over, over here. He makes more money, or he does this for me, or you know, you haven't stepped up to the, to the uh, plate, so that's why I have to upgrade." What do you think about that? I don't think there's usually an upgrade. I think it's just usually a aloneness. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you're like. I don't know, pursuing, stepping out of the relationship before you're really stepping out of the relationship. But I, I I don't think, I would assume most people don't end relationships because they think something is better. There, I mean, there might be those people. I think every, every relationship is so different. Like I took it very seriously, but I think some people probably are like more like stepping stones. They're like, this is a means to an end or I want this goal out of it. Or maybe they just have like, the way their personality works is they need something new and shiny. Like we've seen that in men and women. They're like, yeah. oh, this new, new, like hot thing in the office is like my new wife. And they're always kind of, but that's something going on in their head where they need that. I think for the most part, people are trying really hard to make something work and maybe just don't have the tools to get there or life. I mean, life is full of obstacles. You have to get through really hard parts. And I think some people just aren't willing to go through the hard parts or yep. see the other side, which and That's I, th- I think the need for marriage is not there as much as it used to be anymore. So, I mean, if you go back even 50 years, what, yeah, 50 years, I think women weren't allowed to open their own credit cards. So it's not that long ago that like women needed to be married in order to like have a job or have an income or like anything, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Just to exist in the world. And I think now that that's not really a thing anymore, it's like, why, why write, sign the paper? Yes. Yeah. So like you both don't need to be married. Like, you know, in 1920, maybe if you weren't, you would say, okay, you're, you're not one of the club, you're right. out of the clique. But now today's you don't have to do that. But does, does it come with, with the cost? Do you see it as, you know, okay, yeah, I don't have to get married, but what are the, the choices that I've made that I'm going to be comfortable with versus, you know, what am I going to be ex- comfortable accepting that won't, won't happen? Yeah. Do you guys see that? Yeah, completely. I don't, I think it's so tricky because there is that everything has changed. Like women can be more independent now. We had to get married before to have anything, right? We couldn't get divorces. You just weren't, a lot of states weren't allowed to. Your husband could beat you and you couldn't do anything about it. Like there, 
also was a long time where women were just taking like Prozac or lithium all day and were numbing their whole lives. Like those, those times did exist. And I think we sometimes go back and go like, Oh, the nuclear family, the old school way. But there was a lot of dark underneath that. It just looked a certain way. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's how we, we romanticize the past in all ways. And I think women are stepping a little bit more into their independence and choosing instead of staying in really toxic or abusive relationships, choosing to not or choosing to wait a little longer. You make way better decisions in your 30s. Like I have a way better sense of self. Um, I know really yeah. what I want, which I definitely didn't know before. I was guessing and kind of an amalgamation of what my mom and family and all sorts of things but I think on the other side of that is like there's a huge loneliness epidemic in men happening and we need to get everyone like mentally healthy and communicating because no one should be alone and loneliness is very dangerous and it makes people aggressive and I, there's just so much going on where we need connection and we need community but I think people aren't willing to be in danger anymore. Like I'm not willing to sit through someone that's not willing to do the work on their own. Like I have to set a boundary and you have to figure out your stuff too. And I, I just think men are either all the way in where they're like, I'm doing the work. I got this men's group where they're like, no, they're on the Andrew Tate side. And they're just like masculine energy. Yeah. Men do this. So we've got to find some sort of in between because the overcorrections are not. And then you have a lot of the great man, men that are very defensive because we're talking about the, the bad ones and right. they're caught in the crossfire of being like, but I'm not that guy. Like, why do you keep men. saying that? And it's like, I'm not talking about you. You know what I mean? Yeah, but that, yeah. So I get, I get the, the frustration there as well. You know, that um, definitely opened up the thing with the whole men's loneliness thing. And I see it all the time too. You know, in my job, there are times I go to calls for, for service and you look at the house on the outside, like a nice suburban house. One thing of it, you go inside and you see what goes on inside the house. Like, wow, this is, you know, what are you doing all day? You're just, you know, what what do you have going on in your mind? Yeah. Ever since, uh, you know, the, the country's doing better economically than it was 40, 50 years ago. Mm -hmm. But with that comes some uh, some sacrifices. So a lot of the jobs that us that men were usually good at that what we wanted to do, building cars, uh, mining coal, building steel, that's all been outsourced somewhere else. So these parts of the country where those were the jobs that were handed down for several generations yeah. don't exist anymore. So you're telling a lot of guys, well, what am I supposed to do? You know, my dad did this and his dad did that. And that doesn't exist for me. Does well, that mean I have to go to tech? Less and less men are also going to college than women. So you have by far way more American, at least women that have college educations than men now, which I don't think means anything other than difference in critical thinking skills. Like I think that the, the biggest thing that you learn in college is how to like talk to somebody who has a completely different opinion to you in a group environment and have it be like like a Socratic seminar or something like that. It's where you go to just like talk about things to talk about them. Not a chat room. Yeah. Yeah. And so <laughs> I, I think that's been a big difference too between men and women in terms of just like their education level as well. Well, that's the other side of it is because there's so many more women graduating and colleges keep raising the fees. There's a lot of student debt out there. Mm -hmm. So then you're in this point where when I went, went to college, it was only a couple thousand dollars for the whole four years. That wow. same school now might cost me 20000 or $30,000. And it's like, I can't, you know, I, I can't pay that right, right away. So you're automatically starting off with your four-year degree, 10000 dollars $30,000 in debt that you have to start paying, paying back. 
And so the whole thing comes out now where you've seen a lot of guys being more entrepreneurs is do I need to go to college just to get that piece of paper now when it's inundated? It used to be when I went that you had to have a college degree to get a job. To do anything. Now I feel, I feel, I mean, I love, I love that. I love that I have a college degree. I feel very fortunate, but I don't need it to do what I'm doing now. I mean, but it, it is a funny thing with, I'm, I'm a huge proponent for trade schools. I think we do kids a yes. huge disservice by saying like there's only the four-year university. I've met many a person with an MBA that is the least capable in the room. And I think we put a lot of weight on just this piece of paper without the critical thinking skills, without the experience. Like I'd much rather be on a team with someone that has 10 years experience than someone that just got their MBA. They're not mm -hmm. going to be good at leading yet. They're not going to really know how to use all that information they've learned with real people. Um, we see it a ton in fitness. Someone just got certified and they come out and they're terrible. They're terrible <laughs> at the job. They don't know how to deal with different people. They want to speak to you in like really heavy fitnessy jargon that people don't understand and it shuts them down. They, they haven't figured it out yet. So I think trade schools should be an option for kids. Like, do you love this art? People are happier yeah. in those jobs a lot of times. Like mechanics are happy. People that do certain work is they're happy doing it because it's successful every day and they get to like end their day without taking all of this baggage with them. Startups, entrepreneurship, so stressful. Not everyone should have to do it. But also a lot of these CEOs did drop out of college and we don't talk about that later, but then the secretary needs a four-year degree to do what? Like it doesn't, none of it matches and it does just it's people that can't afford it. It really keeps them out of having jobs they could a hundred percent do. And I think that drives mm -hmm. me bonkers. Fitness. I'm sorry. Fitness is great, but it's all about experience. It it's is. all about like understanding nuance, taking in new information, letting your, your perception of things change. I've changed my opinion on things a ton because of people coming in because of actually dealing with people and seeing the anecdotal, like in in process, like how this works for them on paper, it looks like it works for everyone, but it definitely doesn't. And that doesn't ever happen from a certification. I take one or two things from every cert I do and go, maybe that's hmm. going to be applied to people. But if you took everything and followed that, like you would be a crazy person. You're a social media person that has no nuance or only speaks in all yeah. ways. It's just, you have to be like more open to taking in all of it. And I, I don't know. I get so frustrated with the, like, you need a four year degree. Yeah. You don't <laughs> completely. You got the same thing. Yeah. I think, I mean, experience in the fitness industry or any industry is the, the most important thing. I did not know Jack when I started training and you do have to kind of fake it till you make it because you're trying to break through into something different and everyone has those growing pains. But I think as, as in any industry, as much as you can consider yourself like a professional and like a client or someone who is seeking education at all times, the better you're going to be mm. at your job. Gotcha. I think like what we're seeing, what we see in a lot in the Bay Area or something like that are people who have a lot of schooling and not a lot of experience is they're stuck in that fake it till you make it kind of realm. Mm -hmm. And you can be pretty successful doing that for a while, but I think eventually it catches up to you. Gotcha. And so with that, do you guys have a lot of clients around the same age as you who say, I've been trying to follow my career and I've been doing that. And now I'm hitting the age where there's, I know I can't find a husband or I do, I make a lot of money, but now I'm starting to see it's not what I thought I wanted. Do you get that vibe out there? Yes. Yes and no. I feel like the Bay Area is so expensive that people are always trying to make more money. 
Yeah, you can never make enough money here. Like maybe Every time a, I get a raise, I'm like, oh, where like did a bad it go? Example. I mean, when I go to like Hawaii, people <laughs> are a little different, I feel right. like, in terms of, yeah, wanting those things. And I think, I think, unfortunately, in the Bay Area, I see a lot of people who just further put their head in the sand um, and choose to just go down the path that they're like seemingly successful in versus look around and see what's kind of missing and what they'd want to change. So nothing like missing in their lives. For example, when you reach a certain point, you're making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year as a woman, a lawyer or a doctor. And then now you're like, wait, wait a minute. Now I want to go and have a family. But now it's like, okay, father time has some to say about that. Yeah. I think the family thing that, that can be true. If someone really wanted children and they feel like they missed that boat, um, you of course can like freeze eggs and do other things now. And I think people do that because they do want to spend more time on their career. They want to have the money to do it. We talked about this earlier, but there is this like weird blind spot for people where they are not financially stable and they still have children and are like, well, it'll just work out. It's like, that's actually really irresponsible. Yeah. I heard that a lot. It'll just work itself out. We'll figure it out. That's yeah, a lot of figuring it'll, out. It'll be fine. You're like, well, maybe not. That's not how money works. It doesn't just work itself out. But I think that like idea of the woman in her like 40s, 50s that like missed it is kind of like a lifetime movie trope that doesn't really exist. Like I know a lot of women that age are so happy and they're traveling and they have they're the cool auntie or the cool godmother. I think it's more often the opposite where you have someone who has three kids and they're 42 and they're looking back and they're like, oh, I could have done all these other things if I didn't just settle down yeah. and do this and that. You guys hear that? Like a lot. In behind the scenes that they're lot. telling you that? All the time. Or the like, I mean, that comes up a lot. Like, oh, you're so lucky you didn't do this. Or, like I made the only thing I ever hear that people like love to bring up is like, who's going to take care of you when you're older? Oh yeah. yeah. I'm like, well, I love that. First of all, putting that pressure on your child is insane. <laughs> so the fact that you just pushed out a human to take care of you later, I understand that's how we worked in the old world. But that's a lot of pressure for your yeah. kid. So what if you have a bad one? <laughs> they have 50, 50. Yeah. You have a bad batch kidding. and they don't like you and they don't take care of you anyway. Like that's a crazy thing to do. You shouldn't just create a life because you think it's going to become your caretaker. Like we just need more community in general. Like people need to, to support their neighbors. We need everyone to just stay closer. We know that's how it keeps you safe and alive for longer. I'm not just going to have a kid because I want a caretaker or a built-in best friend. It's weird. Yeah. I so think that's really dangerous when people so you, do that. So you both are comfortable saying, Hey, you know what? If I'm, if I look forward to my life, I'm 75. If I never have children, but you know what? I'm going to be healthy. I'm going to be out there doing these things that my grandmothers at their age could not do. And you know what? That's the life I want to live. And I'm going to be, be happy with it. There's no regrets. At least I knew what my options were twenties and thirties. And I made the best choice for, yeah. for me. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm all for like manifesting and going after what you want, but I feel like the one thing you can't control in this world is your relationships with other people. And so I'm not going to put on myself, like, by the time I'm 40, I want to be in a long-term relationship with a kid and the guy of my dreams, because that's just not something that I feel like I can achieve on my own. It's going to have to, the universe is going to have to like set that up for success, you know? And I'm okay with seeing where my life goes, I guess, while I'm continuing to do the things that make me feel amazing and thrive mm. yeah, well i think like nothing's promised we know that so people that are constantly living in the future on some timeline that they've made up aren't living in their actual life they're not like finding joy they're not enjoying what's happening around them they're always focused on 
what's next or that next, even with fitness, that next goal. It's like, yeah. I'm going to do an Ironman. So for this whole year, I won't do anything social. I'll miss out on family's birthdays. I'll miss out on like my own. I won't eat a meal that I enjoy. I'll change my whole life for this one <laughs> thing. But what if something happened to you in the meantime? Do you really want your last year of life to be like isolated and in pain and like not having, we need social interaction for our mental health. We need outdoor time. We need movement. And I think people just get so obsessed with timelines and goals and these things far away that they stop living daily. And like, I, I mean, we've lost friends, people, things happen out of nowhere. You get hit by a car, you have some crazy diagnosis out of nowhere. I want to at least know that I lived the best life I could up until then. And Working out does make me live a better life. It is fun, but I'm not going to do it two hours a day mm. because I want that time. Like I want to be outside. I am going to go to that concert. I am going to go to a festival every once in a while. I am going to have drinks. Like I'm not going to sit here and take away things that bring me joy because there's some weird ledger somewhere that's yep. like, if you do this, you can't do this. If I had met someone and felt like organically having a child was the right move at that time, would have happened, but it didn't. And I'm really happy with where I am. I'm not ever thinking like, oh, no. I love my kids, my friends' kids. Love all my nieces and nephews. So happy to leave when it's time to go. <laughs> yes. Goodbye, you sticky little weirdos. Yes. I love you. I'll lay on the ground. I'm the wrestling one. Everyone's like, where's Melissa? I'm on the ground. <laughs> like, we are deep in play, but I am ready to go. <laughs> so here's a, a good question for you. Your nieces are how old? Like 10, 11? Mine? Yes. So many. I have a huge family. But they're all about that age. Everyone's a niece. Yeah. So they're all like 10 to brand new. Like they're popping out every day. So if you were to give them advice as they get, let's say they get 14, 15 years old, they're starting to figure out their way in this world. What advice would you give them that might be different than maybe your mom's generation gave you about how you should think about life going forward, given what we sort of talked about already? Do you have something? The biggest thing would be like with food. I mean, I think all of our moms Probably, I can probably speak for every man and woman, like of this age, <laughs> around this, and that's a millennial and up, <laughs> that like their moms were constantly worried about being smaller and that constantly is. worried about eating too much and constantly worried about those kinds of things. And now we've come to a place where that's just not a thing anymore. Like being tiny as a woman is not, I, I think, as widely like pushed, and you're not, I mean, all through high school, I was worried about every single thing that I consumed and ate until I got basically into fitness, like it, like borderline eating disorder my entire life. So I think, and I think most girls have gone through that at some point. Oh yeah. Well, cause even in sports, when we were young, it was like, you need to be small Yeah, for every sport, for gymnastics, for everyone needs to be small. You're not going to be on the tennis team and having your coach say like, Hey, are you eating enough protein? Are you, are you, you know, it, it was all. I remember my director, I was a big theater person. I did a lot of competitive theater, very nerdy. But I remember I came back from vacation and I had had the flu for three weeks and I had lost 15 pounds and my director goes, you look amazing. Wow. Like, what did you do this summer? And it was like an unattainable weight for me and it really messed me up for a while. So I think my biggest advice would be to not raise your kids with ever talking about like food in a negative way. Like, ooh, you really going to eat that? Or uh, little things like that that just give you a negative relationship with food. I also think that having obese children is child abuse. So like on the other side, like not good. But I I really hate that. When a a mom is talking about their size and their looks a lot, it's always going to rub off on on your kids. Mm. 
Yeah, that, I mean, pervasive, right? Like the, the snack thing. wells, the Weight Watchers. No, our yes. parents are just always Go dieting. Go everything. Everything. <laughs> and I think our age group especially has, they call them almond moms now. It's like when your mom only had like almonds or carrots as a snack and you're like, that's normal. But I think learning about actual fueling your body came so late for me. Like I was way into fitness, doing all the crazy hours of hit never thought about protein or the way that I was feeling until I started getting really faint and like seeing stars all the time. I was like, why am I doing all the right things? But I'm not because I'd never been told how to fuel properly. It was just like, Oh, caffeine basically. And like, don't eat that much, but never knew that you could tailor what you're eating to your workout and it would help you recover better or like have more energy. It was absolutely mind blowing. So I think the food yeah. is huge and just the I language. Don't think most people would ever tell you 1200 calories ever now. That was a, that was a normal thing to hear yeah. when you were my, oh, and like, it's still back there. Yeah. It's like crazy. 1200 calories. I know that's starving. Like that is not even yes. maintenance. That is considered some sort of like medical cleanse and it's, it's like still a 10 year old's daily caloric it's, intake maybe <laughs> but if you told my mom that she would still fight you on it she'd wow. be like yeah no she's still scared of fat like she knows better my mom is now runs marathon she knows better but like i can see it creeping in still where she's like mm -hmm. let's get the no fat or the sugar like there is this <laughs> obsession with fat is bad you shouldn't have it i'm like especially a woman going through menopause you need it you want your brain to work. You Women need more fat in general. We shouldn't be fat free. We also should have higher body fat in general to work. Yeah. So it is really sad, but I think that's right. Well, it's yeah. funny how the correlation with the fat you eat versus the fat on your body, yeah. they're not exactly the same thing. We need a new word. Yeah. yeah we, we need do. a new word. Call something else. That's a, there, there's a lot of things that I can't think of right now where, yeah, we need a new word because if I say that word, oh, this is a good one that people get. It, it, it's funny how you, you interpret it like if. This happens, I think, in the Christian community more. Uh, but when they, if, if there's a guy that, that says, my wife must submit to me, automatically it goes to the, so you're saying I should be a slave, or you're saying that I, you owe me or whatever. And then I'm not religious, but apparently the way that they say it, it's like, no, you just, that means that you trust me to help us make the best decision for the family. But when you hear that word, yeah. it goes automatically to one. Yeah. Exactly. No, that made me angry. Right? Yeah. See? And I grew up in the church. <laughs> See? And I'm like, mm -mm, no, yeah. no, 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 yeah. no, no. Well, Completely. You know. And yeah. I imagine they figured out a different word. You'd be like, okay, I get that word but when you tell me the other Completely. word it like, goes to one way. Like do you trust me or right. trust in me or trust in me to stay loyal like there yeah. there's other things we, we gotta change change See, the words. That's one of them yeah. but you know that it's, it's funny that you brought up the whole food thing because in today's day and age there's no time for a lot of parents to feed their, their kids the good you know let's make yeah. a meal cut up the vegetables yeah. steam them and then grill some chicken it's like, I got to go. We see a lot of kids that are being raised on iPads and iPhones because mm -hmm. it's easier, more and more convenient. I could do my work here and hey, are you good over there? Okay, great. And then with the food, it's okay. This is just more convenient to give them fast food or packaged food because it saves me time here. Yeah. I mean, I was an environmental studies major, mostly emphasized in like the urban environment. And when you think about like the food that people have access to, like it, ver it is very economic. Mm -hmm. And so like... Yeah, I think the the lower economics that you have around you, like the worse food in front of you, the le the least access to like rich ingredients and nutrition and things like that. I think I hope that's changing a little bit. Like our fast foods have a little bit more of healthy options, but I I'm also the worst person to talk to about nutrition because I'm I'm still learning. I feel like so much. I think 
so I got, uh, I was pretty lucky to do some after school programs a lot of times. And one of the things I did was work with underprivileged, not just kids, but their parents and just do basic nutrition education. So we would do it as a cooking class or a movement class, but I'd talk a little bit about like, you know, carbs give you energy instead of like, I feel like a lot of kids hear carbs bad, right? Everyone's carbs bad, but I'm like, yeah, this is your energy source. And this is how you get stronger. Like this is protein. The parents had never heard these things. And I think there's, it's really unfair. And it's kind of what we're talking about, but there's no education in schools about your nutrition. Um, they're not learning that this can fuel them or this can make them feel better. And they are just trying to survive and fast food and bad food is, and I'm saying bad food because there is bad food. That's bad for you. It's just packaged and crap. It is targeted to people with less money and they're trying to survive. And if you're looking at your kid and it's hungry and you have the choice of this big meal for $2 or going to a store that maybe doesn't have good produce and trying to, you're going to feed them. And I, I think we are, we can be so cruel to people and be like, how dare you feed them that or put them on the iPad. But if you are still having to work and you have this one hour and your kid's hungry, like mm -hmm. you're going to give them, they think they're doing the right thing in a lot of sense. So I just think it's really depressing. Like people taking funding out of school lunches is one of the most disgusting yeah. things that I, I, it's happening all over. It's happening in really poor and rural areas. Kids should be able to have free lunch when they get to school they're going there. It should be healthy. It should be something that gives them, we don't have to be crazy and be like, you can't have chocolate, but it should be the same for everyone. And like learning we, how to like intuitively eat from, right. from there would be teach really nice. Mindfulness. Like they're teaching yoga in schools now because they know how much helpful it is for kids with stressful homes and that it's giving them breathing techniques. Like if you give kids that kind of information and power, they become better adults because they can manage their emotions and they can think through things critically. But like why, why is that even a debate? Like you want to send a kid to school with no food or have them see another kid with like a big lunch and they have not, it just, it's starting something so sinister at such a young age to show them like, Hey, you don't have what they have and they know more than you do. Like, why would we do that when they're just there to learn hopefully and like live better lives? I just, I find it to be so abhorrent. Completely. Yeah. I'm a liberal. I don't know if you picked up <laughs> a little bit, <laughs> a but it's amazing how this whole talk about food just went over there because, and that speaks to a bigger thing that doesn't really relate to fitness per much, but it's the population issue. Like we have a 8 billion people on the planet and you know, yeah. we're, we're hearing that no one's having kids anymore. But if you're, if you look at it from the planet's point of view, there's 8 billion people that we got to feed. So it's going to have some sort of consequences. When you think about a hundred years ago, there was 2 billion yeah. hundred years later, there's 8 billion. There's going to be some sacrifice somewhere, whether you're an environmentalist and you think it's all carbon you know, footprint. Yeah. But when there's that many people, it's like, what do you expect? You got to feed them all. You, they got to drive, drive cars. They got to yeah. different countries are trying to catch up. We can't expect green technology in India when it's like infrastructure that doesn't call for it. Yep. We need to you know, use fossil fuels and do what we got to do there. And we do waste so much because capitalism and just we don't have the infrastructure to get some food to people. And I mean, I've worked in restaurants for years, there are laws against you being able to give the food that's left over to anyone because what if someone gets sick or what if this happens? So you are legally forced to throw away a ton of food. That's fine. Unless a certain like organization comes and takes it and then it's on them. There's just, there's so much ever people are trying to do good, but I feel like you run into walls constantly with just you know, 
bureaucracy and what one person thinks you should do another person. So I try not to villainize anyone in anyone's situation. I do believe we're all doing our best or trying to. And if someone's feeding their kids something, I, I really have a hard time thinking they're doing it just because they're neglectful. Of course, there's bad people. Mm-hmm. But they think they're doing the right thing or yeah. they think they're helping their kids survive or thrive. I don't know. I just I think we're well, so mean about everything. Well, what's funny about the restaurant thing is that there's a way to do it and a way not to do it. If you were to take the let's say your Starbucks and you have all these extra sandwiches that you didn't didn't sell there's you're right there's probably laws saying you can't go take this to the ex shelter because you're giving it to them directly however if you leave it outside and then someone takes it well you didn't give it to them yeah there's a couple of businesses down 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 the street here mm-hmm. where if you walk by eight o'clock at night there's bags of food Amazing. that uh, just will disappear the next day they didn't give it to somebody they just left it out there and said well what happens happens and then yeah. People just just know go and go to that place and get yeah. this or go and get that and stuff that wow I was gonna pay ten dollars or fifteen dollars for that that sandwich and then now it's you know kind of random there. but there's a, a dim sum place in either sh- well it's in China but they do like a a contest for who can eat the most and if you eat however many you get a free meal and they just got fined because of how much waste that they are accruing from having this. In China? Yeah, because people will order like 100 dumplings and then they'll only eat, you know, 50 Uh, of them or something. And then they all go into the way. So they're like combating it. They're coming after them for it. (laughs) For new clients or people who just don't really understand the fitness game, they're like, you know, I used to work out every now and then or I did my P90X and I don't really know anything about, about fitness. What are some of the first steps you would tell people who are trying to get back into shape? what they need to focus on first, whether it's specific exercises, whether it's stress or whether it's diet, where do you all start out with? I would get a coach. First one, coach. Okay. Or a tempo. I, I mean, if you're looking to pinch pennies, like tempo, I mean, I'm biased, is going to be the best option in terms of having like a virtual coach in your living room. But a lot of people think, oh, I'll get a little bit fit and then I'll spend that much money. That makes no sense to me at all. If you're going to learn how to bake, you should probably go to like a culinary school, right? Or learn from somebody who knows step-by-step how to bake whatever it is you're trying to do. So getting a coach, even if it's just two to five sessions, I think makes a huge difference. Yeah, I think that's right because you want – you have to commit to something. So a program, some sort of plan. And if you have a coach, they're going to be able to customize it to you, which is just going to give you better results in general. If you're consistent, it's better results. But I usually try to tell people, like, for your long-term health, doing a little many, many times is going to be much better for you than doing a lot once or twice. So don't overthink it. Just start getting that little bit of movement in. So that, I mean, it's the habit stuff. I'm so obsessed with it. But one change at a time until that change is part of your your regular, like, routine. Because I always get people like, I want to change my life. I want to change everything. So I'm going to start waking up at 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take these four boot camp classes. I'm going to change my diet. And Worst. I'm like, okay, what time do you wake up now? And they're like, eight. Mm-hmm. I'm like, so that's one habit already. You need to wake up at six every day for six weeks without working out. You need to tell yourself you can because that's going to now change when you eat. It's going to change your sleep for the day. Like that one change is actually a huge change. And you have to acknowledge each little habit shift that way because that's going to change your whole life. Your commute might be different now. Do you have to do laundry more? Like a lot of stuff comes out of one change, but people want to do it all at once. And then when they start breaking down or they miss a workout, then it's like the all or nothing. Like, I lost it all. Mm. So I'm always like, start 
truly with 10 minute workout a day, if you're doing nothing, 10 minutes, do a couple squats, get a really simple thing in. Once that starts feeling so part of your life, make it 20. Then reassess. You've got to just keep reassessing, but doing something every day is going to make you more fit than doing one thing for a really long time and then being so sore and then getting sad. It's just, it doesn't work. So just show up, do something. Gotcha. I I love that too. So now how do you overcome the fear, not the fear, but the overwhelmingness, let's say if your new client goes into a gym full of equipment, Mm -hmm. this person's doing that, they're doing this, they look like that, so I should be doing that. But then again, I want to be over here, but then I don't want to, you know, I don't feel comfortable. How do you break through just the whole gym environment saying don't focus on what he's doing or what she she's doing? How do you get through that? It's so hard. (laughs) I think tempo has helped a lot of people with that. And I I talk about it. Tempo is not a gym alternative. I'll never say it is as a person that goes to a gym. But what tempo has done for a lot of people is given them the confidence to go into a gym and now grab the weight and know which one they're grabbing and take up some more space. And confidence we know is all about either doing something over and over and knowing you can and knowing that failure isn't the worst thing and getting that muscle memory or visualizing the thing you want to do over and over. They work the same. Yeah. So like, I think Conor McGregor is not everyone's favorite, but he visualizes the fight and the sound and everything over and over. So when he arrives, he's already done it. He's yeah. He is confident because in his head, he's gone through all the motions. Athletes do this all the time, but you can even do that with the weight room. Like visualize yourself being there. What are you going to do first? Write your little plan. Get your outfit. Like, yeah, you've got to kind of be an alter ego to yourself or like take on this new persona. And then you prove to yourself, oh, the, what is the worst thing that could happen yeah. here? It is the most heartbreaking thing when you see someone walk into the gym and look so uncomfortable, pick something up, put it back down, walk around and not feel like they can own their space in the gym. Mm. There is like not to plug someone else, but there is this really famous guy on TikTok that goes into gyms and he just goes up to the biggest guy in the room and asks if he can do their his workout with them. And along the way, he just asks them like what got you into the gym and those kinds of things. And I think every time you realize that it's someone who has started – as a novice and no one at the gym is looking to like like judge somebody else across the room like oh I'm bench benching well and you're not we're all I think a lot nicer at the gym than people think so I think also giving people the courage or the confidence to go up and ask other people at the gym for help I mean I would love nothing more than to someone to come up to me and be like can you teach me how to squat well hell yeah you're complimenting me making me feel great and now I get to help you do something. So, well, then it's all about intention. I think we were talking about that when you were at the gym, and certain guys would come up to you like, "Are you asking me about the workout, or are you asking me about something else?" Yeah, yeah. no, okay, I, can't I think sure. men. This is a, a less of a suggestion for you. Um, any woman, <laughs> women go and ask anyone anything at the gym. Men be a little maybe more careful how and who you're approaching. It is intentional. You're right because it's it is the way someone asks or why you think they're asking it. I've had a lot of people like whoa, why are you doing that? And then I'm like, okay, I'll tell you. But if they're like, what is that working? Yeah. I'm like, okay, well, now I'm not going to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Also, copying someone's workout can be a bad idea. Even if they look really cool, I'm constantly doing rehab exercises. They look funky. I'm not telling someone else to do it that way. It might look kind of cool and you want to do it, but it may not be for you or it's very sports specific. Like 
I'm doing this because I'm trying to get stronger at my rotation. Mm. Um, you maybe don't need to do that at all. It's not for you. But people do come up to me quite a bit at the gyms and ask me for help with setting up a squat rack. Um, how, how do you do a front squat? Like they'll see me doing it and I think it does allow them to go. Oh, maybe she can. Maybe she coaches. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe she coaches. Maybe she got it. And I'm like, I would love to. I mean, if you, if like we're getting really in depth, I guess, like if someone's asking for what to do at the gym and it's just a general advice for me, it would always be core, push, pull, lunge, hinge. Like it would be, that would be the protocol. That's all you need in a workout. As long as you have one of those things in there, you're probably getting a pretty decent full body workout in. Functionality-wise, yes, but do you think people are still saying, I don't, and I've been doing that for six months, I don't look like I think I should, so what do I do differently? Is it still you're just trying to break through that barrier with clients like like that? I think I make people be pretty honest and not in a a rude or overly critical way, but honestly, what are you doing? Honestly, are you pushing yourself that much harder? Are Are we trying to do too much here? Um, are you changing it up constantly? Are you using the same weight every time? All of those things are part of it, right? So a plan can do one thing, but if I'm asking you to go to failure on this set, but you know, have uh, four reps in reserve on this set and then finish with this and you're just picking a random weight and doing the whole thing. Of course Mm. you're generally staying more fit. That's fine. And I think that's also find a workout for just general fitness, getting your heart moving, your muscles moving, building some endurance, like that's going to keep you living longer. So if that's it, if that's mm. what you want. Cool. But if you want to jump higher or if you want to lean out or if you want bolder shoulders or whatever, you're going to have to be more specific with how you're training and honest with the, uh, intensity that you're training and to build muscle, you have to work pretty darn hard. So it's like, mm. do you actually want that? Or do you want to just yeah. go in the gym, feel good, feel healthier after chill? That's fine. We don't all need a six pack. I'm very unhappy when I have a six pack. <laughs> I'm dehydrated unhappy. when I have a six pack. <laughs> I look great in one photo. I'm unhappy. I am hungry a hundred percent. There's some reason that I'm in a calorie deficit. I you're not you're not living your best <laughs> best life yeah. at all. Yeah. Looks good in the photo, but then behind the scenes it's like it's just... Yeah. And I think bodybuilding athletes, like we see a lot of the, that imagery online. They're usually the first ones that I'll tell you if they're a little bit older or have been in the industry longer yeah. that it is traumatic on their bodies. They are hangry. Their partners are not happy with them. They are weak, they're actually. Sick. Yeah. They're sick. And the rebound after can be really wild. And we're trying, I think, more and more as an industry to say, like, let's not do that because they are people die from dehydration and like crazy and things. The fighting world, it's the same. Crazy. I mean, they're just now starting to come up with I think more protocols on how much weight you can actually drop and those kinds of things. But it is kind of crazy that we live in this world where a lot of those sports, it is about stepping out of what you can actually maintain as a human being mm-hmm. and into this unmaintainable, like, or version of yourself for that competition or for that event or whatever. Well, let's clear this up for all the guys at least. So aesthetically, bodybuilders, for example, does that make you, does that make it any more desirable to you that there is 7% body fat or 3% body fat versus 17 or 13? Does it really matter? No. No, absolutely not. I think this, this is also an unfortunate thing with fitness because it is a sport. Like bodybuilding is a sport. Powerlifting is a sport. But people don't, see them as athletes a lot of times they just see them as a body they want 
So they like kind of forget that this person is training like crazy. They have support. They have, they have coaches, they have nutritionists. They're recovering like crazy too. They're Mm -hmm. doing all of the other things. All sorts of things. And then someone looks at that and goes, well, I want that life with my job and my kids and my lifestyle. And they're kind of sold that they can get it because a lot of these people like use my six week transformation or that, but they're not living at that body fat all year. It's not safe for most people to live at that body fat all year. So I think it is the one sport that we forget it's a sport. No yeah. one's looking at like yeah. an NBA player and being like, I could 100% <laughs> yeah. have that body. Totally. But weightlifting, we kind of hide the sport yeah. part of it because people do it as a general fitness tool. So, well, then now thinking about it, if you're the partner of a bodybuilder, you know, a guy who's training, he's getting his competitions in three months, whatever, what's your life like? Pass. <laughs> Simple enough. Yeah. No, it. I haven't done the bodybuilder, but I've done the fighter and no, absolutely not. So the weight cut, the like the self-centeredness of it. Like I, I get it. It's really cool and really incredible that anyone can, can do that. But I think at a certain point too, you get like into this realm where you're like, I just want to live my life and not have to have it stop for your little shell. (laughs) <laughs> or yeah. whatever, you know, you know, or I, obviously people work really hard for that. But yeah, I think been there, done that. It's a different personality, <laughs> though. Any any professional athlete, that is their whole world. Yeah. And their partners yeah. often say this, right? Like that is their number one. Their job is their number one. Their sport is their number one. So it just depends in a relationship what you want. Do you want to be a cheerleader and just kind of have this person that has this thing that's always above you? Or do you want someone that like just lives a little bit more balanced and some people are really happy with that. And I think maybe Colby and I, I need to be the star. <laughs> we need to, I need the cheerleader. Well, is it easier if you're dating somebody in the same industry? You see all these images of like the husband and wife couple, they're both powerlifters or they're both uh, mm-hmm. fitness. I mean, does it make it easier when you're both literally like counting your macros together? Probably. Yeah. Think if you're in the exact same sport or similar. Yeah. Well, that's probably why you see like athletes with, you know, pop stars. Because they're living these lives, they're like not normal. It's more of, I think, the lifestyle. Like my job is not nine to five. I have most of the middle of the day free. Um, Today is a Monday. I have it off. You know, there's just little nuances in schedule. So, I mean, I feel like I found better relationships with people that don't work nine to fives, but not necessarily work in fitness, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah, I think the fitness to fitness is hard because it can become your whole like, yeah, it's it's a lot of like, what are your goals today? What are your goals? Really? How are we gonna get better? And I, you know, is that the conversation you wake up? We're going on our five mile run, and then go get breakfast, get a <laughs> babe. Protein. Do you want a meal prep today? <laughs> yeah, no, it, babe. It can be a little competitive, I think, when if you are dating someone or in a relationship with someone in the same industry as you, and no matter what industry it is. Yeah, but I mean, on the other hand, like I. I don't usually date people in any industry I'm working in because I don't, I hate saying don't shit where you eat, but I just like to have more of a professional life and then a personal life. I don't love them interacting too much. We talk about it a lot. Like, I'm, I'm worse at that, but really, <laughs> you're I'm like, better. I'm at work and I'm like, why aren't they acting like my friend? And it's like, because they're your coworker and they don't, you're not friends. <laughs> I just don't need them to know that much about my personal life. Like I want to keep our professional life like more professional, but we are obviously friends outside of work. And we're always joke that we, we don't do fitness when we're hanging out. We're like, neither one of us does. Fitness. Yes. Not today. We don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk tempo to you about coach. No, nope. Not right Never now. heard of her. <laughs> don't, want, that. <laughs> don't want to hear about your macros today. Don't people feel a lot of shame when they 
yeah. to you in public. I think that's the worst part about being in this industry is you tell someone what you do for a living and they feel the need to say, just so you know, I don't think that I'm all that. Like they basically are just like, I'm fat and lazy and I don't go to the gym and they, they spill all this insecurity <laughs> that you're not thinking about at all. Yeah, you're it's just like, existing. I, I would never look at someone's body and go, mm. I bet they barely work out. Like, that's no. not going through my head at all. Like, no, I, I actually, I like a partner that works out. Like I like to go to the gym at the same time. We don't need to work out together. Um, I like to do outdoor things, but I don't want my life to revolve around it. Like we do work out for yeah. a living. So sometimes on Sunday, like I don't want to go on a hike down. Yeah. I want to lay down yeah. flat corpse side. So I don't need someone that's just like, all I do is run. All I do is this. But you do want some element of that so you don't feel shame when you go do it. Because yeah. that can happen in relationships. Like, oh, a you want to work out again? Wow, you work out so much. You don't want that. Yeah. So, bad relationships. Yeah. Yeah. What's the biggest disconnect in the dating world for you? What are guys telling you that think they want or that you think they want? And like, okay, we're completely on the opposite page here. This might be different for Colby, but I have a feeling it's um, the same. Because it's something I've run in with a lot of women that I know that are in these types of industries or have jobs where they are maybe at the top and more leadership personalities or they are really um, public. So my job's been public for a really long time. I seem to attract men that are really into that in the beginning, but mm -hmm. then it becomes the thing they kind of hate. So I hate bringing up the Jonah Hill thing because there's so much nuance there, but he dated a surfer and then was mad that she was surfing. Yeah, And I feel like that does happen where the thing that the person really liked about you, they suddenly they are self-conscious about. Yeah. They something. don't want other people to get it. Yeah. They're like, but that is my thing, but it's you. And it's what you've always been. So you do end up in this kind of weird, like whiplash situation where you're like, wait, what? They're like, you can't do that. You can't, why would you ever go there? Why would you work out there? Well, you can't go alone. And you're like, this is literally my job. And then I think with fitness, unfortunately, if you date someone outside of fitness, they think that you are dating everyone. Like every buff guy in the gym or every guy with abs like is now their competition. <laughs> and it's all their insecurities. Yep. I've never actually dated anyone that's super, super fit. I'm, I, I don't need that and I'm not like looking for it. But everyone I've dated has thought like, oh, you're around those guys. You must be doing this. You must be attracted to them. It's like, it's tough. <laughs> it's real tough because you're like, what else can I do to show you I'm not? And they're I, like, I can fine. agree with all of that. And then you have the guys that want you to train them. Mm. Really? What are we doing at the gym today? Oh. <laughs> and like every time that happens, it's not this. Once I lean into it, it's like, but I already did that yesterday, though. Like, you just asked me to give you a workout. So I don't want to be. And I did. I never thought that would be <laughs> a thing. I'm actually not going to do it. So like, <laughs> yeah, I just think like using your job as I think it's one of the easier jobs for people to think is not a job. Like if you're sitting down having dinner and you tell someone what you do, they want to like ask you how to be a, like how to be fit. And I just think it's so funny because when you like meet someone who works in marketing or something, you're not sitting there going, okay, do you think we could sit down for an hour and you could like brand me and we could like, <laughs> you know, like that just doesn't get asked. Well, and you wouldn't do that, but I think some people will. <laughs> some people true. have no shame. I think like also our job being a little bit more – I hate saying like celebrity-ish, but people know us that we don't know, right? Quite a few. And as the numbers grow, it's getting more and more. So I was dating someone and was in New York doing a little meet and greet. This is a crazy concept to me. I did not believe anyone was going to show up because again, we're behind a screen. These people are at home. You don't realize how many people you're impacting or think that they know you. 
And a lot of people showed up to the meet and greet and they really felt like they knew me and they were emotional. And it was, <laughs> it was very overwhelming for me because I'm like, whoa, I've had a huge impact on these people. I don't know who they are. This is a, I'm, I'm playing a lot of roles, but the guy I was dating at the time was like really annoyed by the whole thing. Like he was just like, these people all love you. And he like got really insecure and kind of jealous and was like, this is, you're just too important. Like it, it bothered him. And I was like, oh, this sucks. And now I kind of, obviously we're not celebrities. We're nowhere near it. But and I kind of been understand. able to step back and be like, yeah, yeah, people, people really love her. Hell yeah. You know what I mean? Like, but it did the opposite for him. He was just like, no. I hate this. Yeah. You're you're more famous than I am or like people people are perceiving you in this really positive way and that's not fair because they're not doing it for me, which was strange. And then recently I was on a date with someone that had no idea what I did because I try not to talk about it. Yeah. Um and we were in like a very private area of a restaurant and someone walked right up and was like, "Coach Melissa, I'm so sorry. I don't want to interrupt." And he was like, "What?" And of course, that's going to change his image of you because now he's like, "Wait, who are you? Why do, why do people know you?" He was actually so sweet about it. And was like, "That was amazing. Like, people know who you are." I love that. So he did the right thing, yeah. but I was like horrified. I'm like, "Oh no, I'm just eating a falafel." And now I'm like, "Oh no, it's so good to see you." And then she was embarrassed because she's like, "I just interrupted your meal." Aww. So I have to be really overly sweet and I'm like no 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 no, it's great like she's like could we take a photo and I'm like wow this is who okay <laughs> kind of a left turn but like being a tempo coach or being a group fitness coach in general just being a part of the community like she said and having people that know you that you don't know it's actually made me like this sounds bad become a very much more patient and overall kinder person because when I'm out in the world and someone like cuts me off or something like that. I'm not knee jerk to be like mean because a lot of the times I've gone to do that and had someone turn around and be like, coach Colby. Oh my goodness. So good to see like you. This oh. Yeah. And there's, and you don't ever want to ruin that like pr pristine image of yourself to someone who really gets motivated from your classes and those kind of things. So it's made me like take a step back in terms of like how I'm interacting in the world in general. hundred percent. But I think it's been good. But you would take it as a compliment. I mean, you're impacting these people's lives so much so you don't even realize, wow, you know, my workouts or the classes you've been watching with me have gotten you from wherever bottom was to where you're at now. Yeah. And they yeah. associate you with, wow, thank you so much for getting me to that point. And it's a weird power because you don't, you're like, I'm just doing my classes. I'm doing my thing. I'm glad that you're, that yeah. you're getting a good workout. But I had no idea that. I had this much of an influence on you. It was really over. I mean, I definitely talked about in therapy for a while. I was like, I, I'm always, I'm a little bit more introverted in general. So when people come up to me out of nowhere, my instant reaction is kind of like fearful, which is not great when someone thinks that they know you and you look at them with like terror in your eyes. Um, so I've had to get way better at how I interact with people, still having a boundary and letting them know, like, I don't. When I, I don't think actually as a woman, it's instinctual yeah. too to be a little bit you. more like you're a stranger. Like, get the hell away from me! What are you going to do to me? Sort of thing. So yeah. But we have, it's like tenfold a little bit. It, yeah, it's tough because you're always kind of scared. But we have are they we have really or? impacted people, and I think knowing that and putting actual faces and names to it does make you want to work harder and do better for them. Like, I want to know it's real people on the other side of the screen that we're helping. But to Colby's point it has changed my behavior in general. Like I'm not as quick to like snap at someone or yell in my car when I might've in the past, because that is a real experience that person is having with you. You really have given them confidence. You 
a lot of times they think we've helped them through deaths in the family and cancer diagnosis and miscarriages. We were really there for them. Like mm -hmm. we were the person talking to them and working with them every mm -hmm. day. That relationship they have is authentic. So if that means I need to be a little bit more patient so that I don't like stab a hole in that, I'm going to do it. Also, it's making me a better person. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Completely. That's actually, that's just heck of a story. You don't think about that right away. Just doing group fitness classes that you're having this much of an impact on somebody to go to that level where they, you saved them potentially from all these different things. That's. Yeah. And we have really like the most amazing users. Cause there's not a lot of like crazy messages. It's mostly just like, I really appreciate like the energy or the genuine like stuff that you've left on the mat for us. And thank you for that class sort of thing. And it, I think, I mean, I do what I do for a living because I need the daily thank yous. I think there's different people in the world. Like I think certain people can go to work and spend like an, a year on a project and then have that. Yay, we did it. I need it all constantly. I need mm. it every day. I need to know that I'm doing well, like hourly. And so I think this kind of a job is nice to have, you know, people just say after that one class, like, thanks, that was great. Wow. Or something like that. I think we tempo is important in a lot of ways, but because of it starting during really the pandemic, we also were meeting people in a time when they felt very yeah. isolated. They were lonely. They were confused. No one knew what was happening. And then we were in their house and they were getting to laugh with us. And one thing we do really well at Tempo is each coach has a very different personality and we don't try to be the same. We don't try to overproduce. So they get to know my personality like yeah they know us pretty well we're telling stories they're with me for weeks on end they know our our relationships to each other so i think we also met these a lot of people in a time when they really needed connection so it feels even more impactful and and big but yeah it is it's crazy to have a stranger thank you for something that you're like yeah I'm just doing my <laughs> the job. imposter syndrome. I'm like, I don't know shit about life yet. I'm only 30. I haven't, not a lot has happened. I don't know. Wow. I'm so glad it helped you. It's <laughs> <laughs> crazy. Well, that's an, an incredible story to hear that you guys are having that much of an impact. It's only going to get more as tempo becomes more and more popular. You're going to touch more people's lives in different parts of the country. You go to a meetup in Chicago or something. And the next thing you know, there's hundred people there that you've impacted and you would have never had any idea otherwise. So it's yeah. really important stuff there. Really quick, do you think that when men versus women, when they're in the gym taking care of themselves, that women feel guilty doing that versus the men? Yeah. Really? I think they're getting better because I, I, it's finally switching to people that by taking that time to be selfish, and I, it is selfish, that's what the word means, but we want it to be a more positive term. You are making yourself able to live a better life and you're going to live longer. And by taking those 30 minutes or 45 minutes for you, you're going to be a better mom if you're a mom. You're going to be a better coworker. You're going to be more mentally resilient, less injury, less sickness. Like that, it pays off in dividends. So the idea that like you are being selfish is, should be a good thing. Like you and need to take hopefully care of it'll spread to the other people in your life. Like when they see you taking care of yourself, maybe they'll want in on that well why know? do they feel guilty what is it about women working out that makes them feel guilty like i should be at home taking care of the kids or what's going through their mind well i think it's like the one thing in the day that like it, i mean uh, unless you get into the context that melissa was giving it's not benefiting anyone else it's not getting a task done it's not getting ahead of something it's not like, hustling you it's know? not a check mark on a to-do list really gotcha. other than i feel good i have more energy my body will look better tomorrow mm, okay 
So you think that that goes more to the innate nature of saying I'm supposed to be taking care of others, but here I am doing something for myself and it doesn't feel right. Right. For women, especially it's like, Oh, if I can't triple task this, then I, I need to be taking care of someone else. We even see in our workplace, like women, women just become the caretakers, whether or not we want to, like it just happens. And I think when you are doing something inherently selfish, even if it's a positive selfish, you're not doing that. You don't have your phone out. You're not checking. You're not, you know, making a lunch or taking care of a coworker's needs. You are truly just taking care of you. Especially if you're paying for a gym on top of that, that can mm. add to it. You know what I mean? Like I'm, you know what I, Yeah. Like I'm spending this money and this time only for me. It doesn't so how do you get the family in a sense? So how do you break through that? Or how do you coach some of your female clients to help break through that? Even if they don't tell you specifically, this is what I'm feeling. How do you help them get through that? I think like one of my favorite things about fitness is like the problem solving nature of it. And that's why it's kept me uh, into it for so long. It's like everyone has their list of problems and how do we make you the perfect plan uh, so you can just feel a better, like happier, more fulfilled life. So is that adding weight training so you feel that actual strength and confidence and your life gets easier? Is it bringing in Pilates? Is it just doing these little exercise snacks or changing your habits? But I do find when people come to you with issues, you can like make them a pretty, pretty nice equation to get through it and have their life feel better really fast, especially for newcomers to fitness. You're going to see gains and strength really fast. You're going to feel better almost immediately if you follow some sort of plan and then you'll hit a plateau and then you'll be like, my life's a lie and we'll have to figure it out again. But I think when you can show people the time you're going to take to do this is going to give you more time later, period. It just is like when this becomes a part of your life and everything else starts evening out around it and your sleep gets better and your nutrition, your whole life, you get more time back and you get more time in general you can convince them. You can be like, this is actually the least selfish thing you're doing. Um, and I think a lot of it, it, like, does your gym have childcare? Maybe that's the way you have to go. You have to bring the kid with you. Um, a lot of trainers, you'll see them carrying the kid while they're training to do it. (laughs) Yeah. They'd come into the gym and I was like, bring that carrier. I don't care. I'll teach with a kid on my tempo. We have a lot of kids that take the class alongside their parents. It's adorable. It's adorable. My mom did jazzercise in yeah. the 80s, and I was in the little uh, nursery. I remember that like two fitness. or three years old. Yeah, and she's over there doing the, the thing. So I grew up on Richard Simmons and Jane Fonda. To this day, I'm like, I yes. was I was the insanity era. I, I did Oh, insanity. yeah, I remember yeah. that. Completely. But, and I think that another way to make it maybe seem less selfish or like to break that barrier would to include community. So if you are with a group of women working out or a group of people or you're bringing your spouse or your child or something into it and it becomes less about just a really good workout and more of like oh I get to see like Sherry and Kim and so and so and like interact with them while I'm working out I mean nowadays when I go to the gym for a weight lift I usually will try to bring a friend because it's like two in one I get to feel a little bit more like I'm seeing my people and taking care of them and inspiring community in my life and socialization while also getting like my workout in yeah well and we know like research just shows if you if your fitness has a community aspect you stick with it longer it's not just peer pressure but it's also like it just becomes so much more positive for you because it is this social and everyone there being there for the same reason yep. there's something really powerful about that and a lot of people don't do church anymore and they don't do things that used to give us community right. so that's why crossfit got so popular it was yep. like oh there's there's this thing we can all go do together that's got endorphins and, and it's like, fun and it's we'll hang out after it's not like a 
the workout's over. Why are you still here? Sort of vibe. It's a uh, yeah. hang out, mingle. Yeah, we can talk about weird stuff other people don't want to hear about. Yeah. Like our, like our, our macros. Calories. Yeah. And our macros. <laughs> so it is finding that community. And I, I think we talked about this earlier with habits, but often I tell people like get a small group. If you can't do a personal trainer, commit to a small group training program or commit to a swimming class or something that's yeah. like structured and you're going to keep going and you're going to meet some people, build some confidence and then takes the next step. But it doesn't have to be so serious. You don't have to be crazy. Right. Yeah. Well, do you have, play a little bit. <laughs> do you have any tips for women who fall into the, the trap of comparing themselves? Which inevitably mm-hmm. happens. The Instagram model, oh. their friend who does this. It's easy to say, don't look at that, don't watch that, but do you guys have any tips that work for you? I don't know if this is like a tip or good or not, but I, as someone who has like achieved the body type that they wanted to achieve at one point or other, it hasn't made me any happier. Mm. And I still have constantly compared myself to other women. I feel like you get more muscles and then you're like, oh my God, I'm so muscly. Or you, you know, get a bigger booty and you're like, oh my, oh my goodness, I'm not as lean as these other women or something like that. But I think there's a million and one different ways to compare yourself to anyone. And so learning how to really like shut those off and just really love yourself at all iterations, as hard as that is. Um, affirmations, things like that, time with yourself. Um, that would be like, I guess, the only advice I have. Yeah. Do you ever share that, that story with your clients? Like, I do. I show them before and afters too because I, I wasn't – I wouldn't describe myself as overweight or anything like that, but I had a completely different body type than I do now. Um, like, for lack of a better word, curvier, a, a lot higher body fat percentage. And I'm probably the same weight as I used to be, but just – from lifting weights and asking my body to do different things. Now it's become a different type of body, I think. So um, there's just also no way to train for like the aesthetics that are out there anymore. Like you can't make your waist tinier. That's just not, there's so much surgery out there now too that I, I think this question I'm like riddled by because it's something that I still constantly have to work on in myself mm. but so. I, think, I think that's it like telling people the body positivity movement like we always want people to feel comfortable in their body but there was that overcorrection of now if you have any issues with your body you're wrong yeah you're a failure because you want to change something and like became very aggressive that if you had anything you wanted to change yeah that then like you everyone's were mad at adele for losing weight or something you know right. what i mean? should have like, loved crazy. yourself yeah. more and yeah. it's like <laughs> okay you can love yourself but i try to just tell people like those are very real thoughts that you're going to have all the time. Yeah. You're going to want to compare yourself, but I do want you to remember Photoshop exists. People use old photos. Athletes aren't always at their leanest or their yeah. biggest. And you can have a moment where you go, well, I wish that could change, but then just let it go. You just can't let yourself fester or think. And like positive self-talk is cheesy, but it works really well. Yeah. But you can't be lying to yourself. They know that. So I can't just look at myself and say, like, I love my body exactly the way it is. If I really don't think that, my brain's not going to take that in. But if I say, like, I love my body because it's so strong and I was able to do this, those things can be empowering. But just lying to yourself isn't going to be. Or being militant about it. It's like, I love my body. I'm not the leanest I usually am because I've been dealing with injuries. So my Cardio is way down, not doing jumping hit stuff right now, but I'm also not willing to be in a crazy diet. So I know I could yeah. do that. I could be in a calorie deficit because I'm doing way less cardio. 
But instead, I'm going to let my injuries take care of themselves. I'm still going to go to House of Prime Rib like I did this weekend. Yeah. I'm not. So good. It's, you just have to really start to look at, like, where is the happiness coming in? And mm-hmm. Colby said this. At my thinnest, I was my least happy. I can say that truly. And people might look at that and go like, wow, goals, body. But I was sick at the time. It was mentally not a great place. So this idea that like that body is going to help you be happier is not true. We know it's not true. Athletes more and more are saying this. People are really coming out and saying it. You've got to just find ways to be as happy as you can be. No one's going to be the most happy. Toxic positivity is a real thing. I think the more you attribute your happiness to your exterior or your looks, like the farther you have to fall because there's going to be a day where I don't work on camera and fitness anymore and I'm not getting paid to go and lift weights anymore and it's going to have to all come for me and I'm probably going to have to adjust the way that I eat or whatever if I want to look the same and I feel like just like living a life that's going to actually be enjoyable over that and feeling strong and capable versus the aesthetic things is where it's all at because like I don't know people are ugly (laughs) I mean, the way to put it. it. <laughs> we're all ugly it. in our own weird way. Oh, we're all, if you really start looking <laughs> yeah, at people for too long, you're like, what are naked we? Naked little bodies, you know? Well, where did this change for you? Because, you know, maybe in, in your in your 20s, it oh, was all about it. I mean, it's, it's drastically changed. I mean, I suffered from an eating disorder all through high school. And then during college, I was just like a party girl that like would kind of complain like, why don't I look that way? When like all I did was drink and eat whatever and not sleep a lot. And um, I got a job at Equinox in sales, um, which was, and I kind of just took it because I was like, I want to change my life and be one of those fit people. And so I think what really changed is getting two personal trainers that weren't really aesthetic coaches. One of them was an MMA fighter and the other one was a Cirque du Soleil performer. So she does all mobility and crazy um, contortion work, basically. So she taught me the value of mobility, flexibility, and just movement in general. And he taught me like, oh, there's a sport that you could do for fun. And as someone who had never done sports in college or in high school, because I wasn't like a soccer, basketball, those, you Mm -hmm. know, generic ones. um, I just thought that I wasn't an athlete in that way. So I think it really changed when I started seeing like, skill results and things like that and my training shifted from like oh my god I don't want to be fat anymore ugly anymore to I'm like this is what I do Mm -hmm. like I am a person who goes to the gym that's one of the activities that I partake in that's one of the hobbies that I do that's yeah great well you know these are conversations that sometimes are fun sometimes they can be difficult but it's good to get the information out there because I'm guaranteeing there's probably a lot of women who will hear this and say I needed to hear that from somebody because this is not something that's easily talked about. It's not something that's easily discussed or even, you know, sometimes yeah. you might think that you're wrong because you think a certain way when really a lot of people probably think the same way that, that you do. And it's just, how do you yeah. overcome all that? And I'll say on the flip, flip side, if you're the type of person that is thinking like I should be doing all of these things and you're not doing any of them, you're going to feel bad about yourself when you're like, I'm never moving. I'm never doing any of the things that I know would help me achieve my goal. And I could be it. Yeah. You're going to feel like shit. Well, it's like the comparison is the thief of joy. There is this idea that you have to do so much. And instead of just starting to do the one thing, which we always come back to, people are like, well, it's not enough. But like that one thing would be really impactful. Yeah. It is enough if, if you can do it. And they're like, well, but no, I need to do all these things. I need to do it all. And I think we've all... It stinks because I know aesthetically I'm probably what some people would like to look at. 
like this is what their goal is at a different point. And I'm sitting here going like, oh, I just don't like my body fat right now. And like, I could be a little leaner. That's crazy. That is me. That's how I'm feeling. But that is crazy to someone else. Mm -hmm. So we're comparing ourselves to like something else. Well, someone's comparing themselves to you. All the while, you're probably not living the life you want to live. Like it was hot the other day at the beach. And I'm like, oh, I don't really want to put on a swimsuit right now. I'm not feeling super confident. Crazy. Like, jump in the ocean. Like, what are you doing? What is that really like how I want to? I just want to challenge myself all the time. Selfishly, it's not fun to be around. Like, I don't want to have friends that feel really insecure about existing in the world because now I'm concerned about them and I'm worried about them feeling their best and those kinds of things. And it goes back to the weight room, right? People aren't really looking at you. Yeah. They're, not. they're really not. When you're at the beach with a hundred people, no one's like, oh, that girl has some cellulite. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, they're not. They're literally not. They might be like, oh, that girl's having a lot of fun. She's being silly. Yeah. But we have this like spotlight on us all the time because that we are, our, we know we're the star of our own story. Of course, that's how it works. But like, I'm just not, I'm not willing. And maybe it's your thirties. Maybe it's learning about more nuance or learning about people's lives and knowing there's so many different ways and, and things that can go on. But I'm just not willing to not live my life because I'm not happy with my body fat percentage. Yep. Yeah. I think we're at a point now we get in our generation and in our thirties, you really start asking yourself, okay, what do I want now? What's going to make me more fulfilled? I hate using the term happy because happy, I could be happy today and I could be not happy tomorrow. Right. I'm more like the whole fulfillment thing. What am I doing long term? And if this is what I want, that makes me more fulfilled. And in exchange for that, I may have to give up something over here. Yep. I'm okay with that, but then I won't have any regrets 20 years down the line because maybe that might mean I may not have kids today, but it means I'm going to be able to live a life that my mom and my grandmother couldn't live. And I'm okay with that choice. And I when I look back on my life in my 70s or 80s, I have no regrets versus somebody that maybe never thought about that and they're trying to do everything all at once. And then you get to an advanced age and you're like, wait, I never fully embrace that. I never fully embrace that because I try to have everything. And I think it would be one thing that if we could teach the newer generations coming up now is you can do all these different things, but understand it's going to come at a cost. If you want to have kids early, you know, great, your body, your body might be more prime for it, but you may not be investing time into your, your, your career where your, where your friends are and vice versa. Yeah. You can wear the bikini on the beach and not be, not look like a fitness model and still be working towards fitness goals. Like one doesn't have to be without the other. And I, I think we talked about our mom's generation, but there was this generation of women that weren't in photos. They did not let themselves be in photos. They weren't happy with the way they looked. They always took them. And I've seen that with my mom. I've even seen it with siblings of mine. I'm like, I'm just not willing to disappear from my life yeah. because I'm just not happy with exactly that right now. Cause I bet in 10 years, I'm going to look back and be like, wow, you're a babe. You're killing it. <laughs> and I was like, no, don't no photos. Like, or just serious. like, oh, that was a nice memory of the time that we went to whatever. And it doesn't matter how good or bad I looked in that photo. I think that's like, you're right about the happiness thing, though. It's like, we are all like, what does this make me happy? It's like, just add more net positives to your day. Yeah. Yeah. The workout is a positive. I hear that too much, happiness. And it's like, well, define happiness. You're never going to be happy every day, but that's just not even possible. In order to have those extremes, I mean, you have to have sadness for happy. You know what I mean? You have to have both Mm -hmm. sides of the coin. So, yeah, I like the contentedness, the fulfilledness, because I think there are seasons of life. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be like seasons where you're just euphoric and on the top of the world. And there's other seasons where like you're waking up every day just trying to make it make it happen. Don't do what you got to do. Yeah. Something I say a lot in my tempo classes and people have like written me and been like, I really needed to hear that today. But 
I often am like, the only thing you're not allowed to do in this class is feel discouraged because anything you're doing is a positive. So even if you couldn't do it as fast as me or yours looked a little different, you're still doing something and doing that over and over will be a positive thing. So showing up on the mat is positive. 10 minutes of work is positive. If you have to take a rest or you can't quite do the weight you wanted to do, it's just a not yet. It's not that you can't do it. You just can't do it yet. But if you take this whole class and you're pissed off that you're not fast and you couldn't do the rotation or touch your toes and the whole thing became a negative to you, that whole workout, you're totally missing the point. Like you did something positive. So like celebrate that and now make the plan for what's next and when we get better at it or repeat it. Mm. Like, so I always tell people like, you're not allowed to be discouraged because you already did the right thing. You already did the positive thing. There's no knots. It's just not yet right? You're not there yet, but you can get there if you plan. And if you are committed, you just can't let this become a negative when it's only a positive. Working out should only be a positive. You're only making your life better. The second it becomes a negative, you're abusing yourself Yeah. in the name of getting better. That That's crazy. What are you aiming for? Right. You know, it's what it, really is the point? And I think it's for guys, especially like you have to have a purpose. You have to have a reason why you get up every day out the morning, you know, get up every morning. Is it the, the kids? Is it the, the, the job? Is it the, the joy you're bringing for me? It's like I got a 40 plus hour career outside. Then I have this and each episode takes me about 10 hours to edit. Plus everything I got to do in my life, going to the, 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 the gym, the people in my life, everything. It's exhausting. I'm never, <laughs> I'm not always happy all, all the time, but there's a bigger purpose and right. I see the goal and I keep working for it because that's what I want to do. That gives me a sense of direction versus if I, you know, maybe had a Google job and I was just playing video games all day on my time off, be kind of a boring life. But then again, you could say you have a job, you're making money, but then what am I doing with the rest of my time? I need something. I need a purpose to go out there and do something. Yeah, Being more. comfortable does not fulfill you or give, provide happiness, I think. And it's that I think the biggest human caveat is that we have to be uncomfortable in order to like feel successful and like we've achieved things and, but it's so hard to do that. Yeah. It's like, what are you aiming for at the end of the day? You know, do you have to have the brand new BMW? Do you have to, you know, live in a penthouse? Do you have to always go out to eat at the fancy yeah. restaurants? Do you have, who are you, you impressing? Well, chances are if you grind it all day and then bought that BMW, you're probably going to like it a lot more but than that, if someone just gave it to you or something like that. that one, yeah. So, yeah. 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 Just, <laughs> time to drive it. Is that what it is? <laughs> exactly. I, th I think it all comes back to knowing yourself though, right? Maybe that guy that plays video games all the time, maybe his brain just loves that and he processes things differently and that's his like meditation i know i have to be constantly challenged and when i don't feel challenged i feel bored and when i feel bored i check out of things i do the very least so i need to always make sure in my life that i have some sort of challenging element so i was getting really down on my fitness so i was like okay i'm gonna make myself do something i would never do signed up for a pole dancing class i was embarrassed i was not felt so out of it and i'm in this place where these people are going for it they are wearing the tiniest clothes. They are throwing themselves against they these poles. They the heels on too. It was so inclusive so in the cool. best way. Just people were there doing this, this thing for themselves that I'm in the corner like, I could never. <laughs> and I was by far the fittest person in that room. By far. And I was the most insecure. And I'm like, this is crazy. Like everyone else is here taking care of themselves, doing this like joyful movement, trying something new and challenging. And I'm like, hmm. Like, I don't want to be embarrassed. So I was like, no, you got to make yourself embarrassed. So I've been like making that a challenge every month to make myself do something that kind of is a nightmare yeah. to me. And do then something you're bad at afterwards, I don't have to do it again. 
But I'm like, what was my rose and thorn of the situation? What was the hardest part? And if the hardest part was just that it was challenging, then I make myself do it again. If the hardest part was like, I actually hated that and I got no joy out of it all, then I'm not going back. But if it was a challenge, then I'm going to make myself do it again. Absolutely. And we'll end on that note. This has been been a great episode. Thank you both for coming out. Now, where can people find you at? What's the best one? Um, you can find me on Instagram at Colby Claire. I think that's it. That's <laughs> don't don't find me on Facebook. No. You still on Facebook? I am. I'm on LinkedIn, but don't look at it because it hasn't been edited in like uh, eight okay. years. It doesn't even say I work in fitness. Instagram <laughs> for you and Instagram. I'm train with MB Melissa Boyd. Um, TikTok and all those is chats with MB, and you can find us both on Tempo. On Tempo, and how yes. often are the classes released? Every Once a week, day. twice oh, every so day. Many. Yeah, Jeez. unlimited. Well, training plans. You want it? We got it. Yeah. We really? even have a program together. We do. Really? Yeah. It is my favorite. Well, if you can't get enough of Colby and Melissa, then Tempo's the place to go. Tempo's You're always going to find them there. <laughs> Thank you both for coming out. I really appreciate it. I'll Thanks. put the links in the description down below. And if everybody who's watching, if you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe to the channel, like the video, and share with anybody that you believe may get some value out of this. It's good information. This is a two-hour podcast, but there's a lot of good stuff here for people who are just trying to find the extra information that they need to get their lives in the place they want to live and also if you're listening on apple podcasts or spotify please leave me a comment and also share the episode so this so this uh channel gets out to the masses again thank you both for coming out and have a good day bye, bye. bye.